We are one day away from the U.S. men's national team game against Portugal on Sunday at the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me in Brazil, in Manaus, is Ivis Galarsep. What's cracking, man? You sweating a lot? Uh, no, because I'm in my air-conditioned hotel room. Uh, last night was a different story, though. It was, uh, you know, we arrived here pretty late last night, and even though... You know, I got here at like almost midnight. It was hot and, and humid. The humidity is a real deal. Um, you know, obviously we've heard about it for months and months about how Manaus had the heat and humidity or, or, or something else. Last night, I definitely felt that humidity. Today, Saturday, it's a beautiful, hot, sunny day. Perfect weather, really, for a game. Unfortunately, the game isn't today. It's Sunday, Sunday and there are thunderstorms expected, so... It's going to be sauna time in Manaus for that USA-Portugal game. Uh, how is the city? I, I think it's kind of cool. Like I understand that no one wants to go there because it's the most isolated city compared to the other World Cup spots in Brazil, though. But like it looks it looks pretty cool. Like I've seen some pictures. The city looks pretty beautiful. Have you had a chance to explore it and, and kind of – I mean, does it feel any different seeing how it's, like, it's so far from every other city in Brazil? Garrett, 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 I just got here. I got here last night at 11. And today has been work mode. It's work mode here. We're not on vacation. What's wrong with you? We can't you? sightsee. We can't. We, it's just it is what it is. Like, we, you know, we, we swoop in. We do our job. We leave. We're going to try to see some of it. I'll try to see some of it tonight. Um, but it's it's all airports, buses, stadiums, that, that and hotels. That That's the life of the journal at the World Cup, unfortunately. I mean, we'll, we'll have time here and there along the way to see things. But for this Manaus trip, it's all about cranking out the content that folks back home want to read. And even the Americans here in Brazil want to read. And uh, I will say this, right? Just my initial impressions. Again, I, I haven't walked through the city. We took the we took a bus from the airport to our hotel. We rode through, and you know we haven't seen much. But initial impressions, just on what I have seen, I mean, it's really similar to any big Central American city that that you know we would go to. I would you know I would go to for World Cup qualifying, whether you know San Pedro Sula, uh, Guatemala City. Uh, San Jose, Costa Rica. It's it's really similar to that. Like that's that's kind of the sense I got coming through here. It, it's no worse than any of those. So from that standpoint, you know the U.S. coming here, they, they've been in this kind of environment before. They played in the heat and humidity. Uh, that's not going to be an issue for them. Uh, I think if anything, it might be more of an issue for Portugal. So um, from that standpoint, I think the U.S. is going to be fine. I don't think the weather or or the conditions are going to be a problem for them at all. I expect you to be like Anthony Bourdain down there, man. You know, getting the culture, getting the food in Listen, there. I mean, I stop would, stop working. Love, Come on. Man. I would love that. Trust me. I, hey, anyone wants to hire me full time to just do that and swoop in places and check out the scene and and all that. Oh, man, that'd be the, that'd be the life of life of uh, luxury right there. But you know what? I mean, we try to mix. I try to mix it in. I mean, obviously, if we're in any one place for a while, then that changes. I'm going to be in Recife in Recife from uh, Monday on Monday through Friday, uh, Monday through Thursday evening. Uh, ahead of the Germany game, uh, USA Germany. So I'm actually going to go to the Brazil, uh, Brazil, the Croatia Mexico game, the big group decider there on Monday. So I'll, I'll be in, I'll be in uh, receive for a while. So hopefully I'll be able to you know see some of that city and 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 give people a little bit more of a sense of of what that place is like. Uh, unfortunately, Manaus, we're in and out two days. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to wander around the city too much. I didn't take my malaria medication. I'm not trying to get sick <laughs> again. So you know what? Uh, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll, I mean, I'll be out tonight. There, there's there, there's a, a gathering for U.S. fans tonight, and uh, you know that should be a good time. And and you know, hopefully, it's uh, you know I don't think it'll be on par with the Natal 
night before party, but uh, I'm sure it'll be still be pretty good. Nice. Well, Ivis, we need to talk about the game, which is on Sunday. That's at 6 Eastern, 3 on the Pacific Coast. We should expect kind of the same lineup for the U.S. men's national team, minus Josie Outdoor, who's injured right now. But the biggest question, Ivis, is who is going to be starting in place of Josie Outdoor? Jurgen has a couple options. We could see him mix it up. Guys like Chris Wondolowski, Aaron Johansson, maybe an opportunity for them to get a start. Your immediate thoughts, Ivis, on, on what Jurgen could do for the roster on Sunday? Well, you know, before the immediately after that game, I would have said Aaron Johansson. Um, although he didn't, he struggled a bit to to have an impact offensively against Ghana. Uh, he did put in some pretty decent work. But having said that, I think I just the more as time goes on, and having talked to both of them yesterday, uh, the sense you get is Wondolowski's your guy. You know, he's he's more experienced, more mature. Um, he's not as technically gifted as Johansson, obviously, but I, I think he he has enough of enough versatility in his game that he can kind of help fill the void, that kind of target forward void that Josie Atador is left now. Um, if you look through the past few years of U.S. lineups, there almost always was kind of a true target presence, whether it was Josie Atador, Eddie Johnson, Hercules Gomez, even uh, Juan Agadello, or even Teal Bunbury uh, one game. I can't remember, a January camp game. Um, so from that standpoint, if Klinsman wants to stick with that, you kind of have to go with Wondolowski over Johansson because Wondolowski is a bit more of a – he's a bit more capable of handling that role. Um, so for me, I think he's going to start of those two. Now, one wild card I kind of like as a theory, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if it happened, it wouldn't shock me, is uh, Jurgen Klinsmann going with Clint Dempsey up top on his own in a 4-1-4-1, uh, really stack the midfield to try to dominate the game, try to control possession and try to limit – the, the the service to Cristiano Ronaldo, um, you know, because if you could play the four four two diamond, have Wondolowski and Dempsey up top, but then you you kind of leave yourself, a, uh, you know, a bit vulnerable in the middle because hey, Portugal is stacked in the middle. Obviously, uh, they're going to play their four three three, but they, you know, they've got Raúl Mireles, they've got João Moutinho. Those guys are really really good, and if if you have the chance to stack the midfield, kind of try to win the numbers game there, I think that might be a way to go. If you play a 4-1-4-1 and all of a sudden you have that Jones-Bradley-Beckerman triangle, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that, that could help you in the middle. Absolutely help you control the game. Um, again, but the question is, can Dempsey – you know, Dempsey's never really played in that kind of role uh, that much. I mean, he's done it in his career, but he hasn't done it a ton. I mean, I, it's been years since he did it for the national team. Uh, he played as a lead forward against Costa Rica in Costa Rica. He was partnered with uh, somebody named Landon Donovan, for those of you who remember that guy. Um, but that, you know, that, that didn't really work out. Not, and I don't know if it was because of, the, because of him in that role. I think that Costa Rica just dominated the U.S. that day. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if Jurgen Klinsmann decided, hey, Clint Dempsey can handle that role, almost like a false nine or, mm-hmm. or kind of – he'll hold play up but move around uh, and give you Zussi and Bedoya on the wings – and where their where their work rate can help the fullbacks deal with Portugal's dangerous wingers, but also help out in the attack. So we'll we'll see which we'll, we'll see which way it goes. I'm more inclined to say Wondolowski Dempsey up top in a four four two, but don't be surprised if you see uh, Jurgen Klinsmann try something a little different. I think I would prefer what you just said the four one four one. To me, the diamond midfield. I, I just I don't know. I'd rather have service from Zuzi 
and Bedoya on the outside wings, especially with the work week, like you said. Bedoya, I mean, he always tracks back. You need to have that out there. Uh, I mean, as far as injuries go, I mean, we're talking here about Clint Dempsey getting the start in this one. Um, it looks like he's going to be all fine after suffering that broken nose against Ghana. Uh, he should be fine. Uh, you know, he's had some time now to kind of let the swelling subside. And, you know, obviously, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a bit vulnerable. Uh, it's still unclear whether he's going to wear a mask or not. But you know what? He's a tough guy. He'll deal with it. Uh, I thought it was funny, Jurgen Klinsmann's reaction after the Ghana game, where he pretty much was like, oh, I've got, you know, it's no problem. I've had my nose broken three, four times. It's no big deal. So um, it, 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 everyone you talk to, they say the same thing that, you know, uh, for Dempsey, he should be fine. So from that standpoint, he'll be fine. He'll be in the lineup. That's not a question. Some of the other positional issues, obviously, Bedoya, he says he's fine. Uh, Matt Beasler, everybody is saying he's fine. So if that is the reality, then I think we'll probably see the same lineup we saw against Ghana with the one difference being Wondolowski instead of Altidore. You know, a question that 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 I thought of and, and someone brought up, one of my buddies, you know, we were discussing this, this roster, you know, Demarcus Beasley, I thought he had a good game. And you and I talked about this, where he did have his moments where he did get beat just based off speed and, and, and other things. But the one thing that, that you and I have always agreed on is Demarcus Beasley keeps the attackers in front of him, rarely gets beat. And yes, there was a lot of service from that wing. But I think for the U.S., though, when you can when you can predict where the service is going to come from, it's going to be much more predictable to defend rather than both sides, though. But, but going into this game and with the pace that Portugal has. Is there any chance that Timmy Chandler gets a start over to Marcus Beasley? I don't know, man, because I'll tell you what. The last time Tim Chandler played in hot weather, humidity, uh, you know, in, in these kind of jungle-like conditions, it didn't go so well for him uh, down in Honduras. So uh, from that standpoint, I, I, I don't think so. You know, I think Beasley, for as much as he was turned inside and out by Christian Atsu, as we said last show, Christian Atsu is a good player. He's one of the top young players in the world. Um, so you can't just discard Beasley based off that performance. Um, now, if I had, if we had seen a little better from Chandler in the run up to the World Cup, then that would you'd feel a little better about that. But for me, I, I think he's going to go Beasley. I think Beasley's going to stay in there. I, I, I don't see him getting pulled if he's healthy. Um, now, if he is pulled. You know, it's going to be up to Chandler to show he can be a 90-minute guy. Uh, I think if anything, Klinsman might uh, decide, okay, I have these two guys. I'll go 60 minutes, Beasley, 30 minutes, Chandler, just to, you know, because obviously they're going to be coping with with, with Portugal's wingers. Uh, Nani is going to be working that side. Ronaldo's obviously going to go over there at times in the game and, and maybe early on once he, you know, once he sees the options there. Uh, between Beasley and Fabian Johnson, he'll probably, you know, maybe he'll just say, oh, hey, I can handle, I can beat Beasley, so let me go on that side. Um, but now, nah, you know what, I'll, I'll say Beasley. I think Beasley's going to get the start. Is there any issue, though, for the U.S. men's national team? Because, look, against Ghana, Ivis, let's just face it, Ghana dominated the second half. But and I think up until Josie Aldador injury, the U.S. looked fine. And, and we talked about having a guy up top like Josie Aldador, who's a big body, who could take out defenders, play with his back to the net, hold up play all the things that Josie Altidore does, minus scoring goals that everyone wants to dog on him for. But going into this game, though, Chris Wondolowski, I don't think he's the guy who can fill in Josie Altidore's spot. And Clint Dempsey, he's not going to be in that role. Is there going to be any issue for the U.S. in this game with, with build-up into the attack of, of not having a strong body up top? Well, I think you just have to adjust a little. Well, look, Wondolowski can do the hold-up work. He's not a traditional target striker by any means. I mean, even in San Jose... 
you know, he he plays in the midfield at times when you have your Alan Gordons and your Steven Lenhart's up top. Having said that, he can play. Uh, he, I mean, we've seen it. We saw it in the Gold Cup at times. We uh, we saw it against Mexico. You know, he can play that kind of hold up role. I mean, he's 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 pretty strong. Like he's not a huge guy, but you know what? He's pretty strong. He he knows how to he knows how to use his body to kind of position himself. So, of the options you have, he's the one that's more likely to be able to handle that kind of role and do that for you. Johansson. Johansson couldn't hold up, uh, you know, couldn't hold up a, a, an umbrella. I mean, let's be honest. He's not. He's he's very very skinny. Not that strong. He's someone who's a, more of a turn and face forward than a, a back to goal uh, forward. So uh, from that standpoint, I think Wondolowski is your guy. And having said that, the reason I I have brought up this four one four one is because I could see your Klinsman looking at his options and saying, Dempsey's not a target. But Dempsey can do the work and do that role, and then that frees up my midfield where I can build, I can construct this four-one-four-one and really clog down the passing lanes and limit the service to Ronaldo. And I think that's very important, and especially off this Ghana game where the U.S. was really dominated and the U.S. couldn't keep the ball, couldn't get much possession. If he's worried about that happening again, then he then he has to think about going with a, with, with five midfielders and with Dempsey up top because mm-hmm. I think that's your best chance to really win that possession battle. Where do, where do you come up with this stuff? Aaron Hansen couldn't hold an umbrella. <laughs> I don't know. What do you? Want <laughs> uh, it's from my it's my Ray Hudson uh, <laughs> uh, you know beginner's guide to to you know random anecdotes. It's, it's some of the stuff that comes out of your mouth is is just too funny. Uh, one more injury we we need to discuss. Uh, that's Matt Beasler. Uh, I mean, everything looks fine on him. He should be getting to start against Portugal, correct? And by all accounts, I mean, we haven't talked to him this week. He hasn't been made available, but um, Graham Zuzzi said that he thinks he's fine, and Klinsman obviously said Klinsman said after the Ghana game he's that Beasler would be fine for Portugal. I mean, it's been a few. It's been a while now. It's been almost a week. I mean, by the time they kick off the game in Mana- uh, here in Manaus on Sunday, it will have been uh, almost. A, well, it'll be six days, six days to recover. So it's grueling and as rough as that game was. Matt Beasley played 45 minutes. So he six days should be enough time for him to recover. Um, and having, having said that, if any, if he is still feeling something, if there's any issue, you have to go with John Brooks. You have to because you can't you can't risk it. And, and I think Brooks showed showed some showed enough, showed that he can do it. I, I, I would say, I, you know. Uh, Portugal's pretty dangerous uh, for, in, from the standpoint of, you know, they, they'll take you out in space and really beat you with Nani and Ronaldo. Um, where Brooks, you know, Brooks can handle a, uh, Ader, uh the target forward likely to start for Portugal. He could maybe handle him well. He can deal with service in the box. He can deal with set pieces. Um, but you'd rather have Beisler. Beisler is, I think, he's the better match. He's qu- he's clearly faster. He's better positionally. He's the more mature player. He's the overall. You like to think he's the more uh, p- currently prepared, like quality f- uh, center back. Now, Brooks could one day be the absolute best center back in the U on the U.S. team. But right now, I think still think Beasley's that guy if he's healthy. And if he's healthy, he's going to start. Well, it's nice to know that. Hey, John Brooks is your first guy off the bench for your center back, and look at the performance that he turned in minus the goal. I mean, John Brooks. Over the last couple of weeks, we saw with the sendoff series, Ivis has, has has looked pretty good for the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, man, he, he's really convert. He's really converted a lot of doubters and skeptics who questioned his his ability. And hey, I, I was in that boat months ago uh, about just my, my thing was with John Brooks. My thing was always, you know, and and it goes. It's the usual thing, right? People are always in a hurry 
to to uh, christen pl- the young players as ready for primetime superstars. And he wasn't he wasn't that player yet. Like he he you know he needed time to develop. And obviously his first season his first season in the Bundesliga was a tough one for him. He he you know he lost his starting job. He was in the coach's doghouse. Uh, he had his struggles, but through it all. He did get his opportunities. He did play quite a bit in the Bundesliga, and he finished the season strongly. Um, you know, and, and I know some people point to the fact that hey, it took an injury for him to get his job back. But look, it doesn't matter how you get the job back. If you get it back and you do well with that opportunity, then that you you deserve credit for that. And that's what happened with him. He finished the season strongly. He got back in the starting lineup, played really well, um, and and played his way onto the team and uh, onto the World Cup team. And he's clearly on form and he's confident. So uh, I think instead of nitpicking the guy, you should absolutely be happy that there's a 20-year-old, 21-year-old Amer- uh, U.S. national team center back in the Bundesliga. Like that's – I mean, come on. You know, five years ago, people would have been drooling for that. You know what I mean? I mean, we're talking five years ago when the MLS Defender of the Year, uh, Chad Marshall – actually, it was more – it's six years ago – you know, he went on trial out in Europe trying to find a deal. Couldn't find a deal. Yeah, and at the time, he was a be, you know, quote unquote, best you know, best non-European based American defender. Now you've got this 20, 21 year old who has all the tools and is in this in, in the Bundesliga. You know, be happy. The kid. I mean, he is going to be the anchor of the defense down the road. So it, it's great to see him really blossom and develop. And he's a good kid too. I mean, like he he's. He's a happy-go-lucky kid. He's, I mean, for anyone who, for those of you who have listened to the show through, uh, through our 148 episodes, we've had Terrence Boyd on. Everyone knows Terrence Boyd, happy guy, funny guy, great personality. John Brooks is along those lines. He maybe isn't quite as outgoing as Boyd, but it's that same thing where they're they're very open. Uh, there's not, there's really no ego there. They're just happy kids who are happy to play soccer. And they're having fun. And he's that kind of kid, so you like to see him have success. Uh, talking about the game, though, a huge opportunity for the U.S. With the win, uh, U.S. is pretty much all but guaranteed moving on to the next round. Uh, you know, if a tie helps, but, you know, if the U.S. wins and Germany beats Ghana, which hopefully should pan out, the U.S. is already qualified for the next round. Looking at this game, though, against Portugal, it's still going to be another tough matchup, even though Portugal is without uh, Pepe and a few other injuries that they have. Ronaldo's coming back for an injury. For the U.S. to be able to defeat Portugal in this one, what do they need to do? They need to attack. They need to hold back. What are the keys for the U.S. men's national team on Sunday? Well, I would say, first first foremost, the, uh, they have to win the possession battle. The, the more Portugal has the ball, the more they can set up chances for Ronaldo. And and the U.S. gave Ghana way too much possession. Ghana dominated that game from a possession standpoint and created chance after chance. And now, obviously, there were a lot of half chances. But, you know, a more a sharper team in that same situation would have destroyed the U.S. I mean, there were a lot of opportunities there for dangerous crosses, for, for promising shot option uh, opportunities. That look, Ghana didn't take them. Ghana did not flat out didn't take them, and uh, and and I think I don't remember I said it the last show. I always did find it funny that for months and months leading up to the World Cup, all you would ever hear is you know whenever the U.S. would play and they and they make someone would make a mistake in a friendly and it'd be like oh they better clean that up. They do that. The, Ghana will punish. Ghana will convert that every time. And like no, they didn't convert it. They converted one out of forty half chances. So clearly that's not the case. Portugal's a little different. Portugal will convert more of those chances. So uh, for me, the midfield battle is key. 
And Michael Bradley needs to have a better game. He even said as much uh, yesterday, speaking to the media, he, he pretty much he acknowledged, look, he didn't have his best game. Um, and even with that, he still put in a ton of work. He, he had he covered more ground than any other U.S. player. He needs to have a Michael Bradley type game. He needs to have what we expect him to have, which is, you know, uh, one of like a, a, one of the men in the match type level performances. So if he can do that, if Jermaine Jones can stay at the level he's been at lately, if Beckerman can keep doing the work that he's doing, U.S. has a really good chance to limit the uh, limit the service to Ronaldo, limit the threat. Uh, you have to do that. That's first and foremost, because uh, if you don't do that and you give Ronaldo enough enough bites to the apple, he is going to burn you. He's he's absolutely going to convert uh, people. We can't you know, we can't buy into all this. Ronaldo's knee is, is whatever. He, he's not going to play. He's not going to be, a, you know, he's not going to be a factor. You believe that and and, and you're going to fall into a trap. So, uh, you, you know, it's better better to be safe. Sorry. And I think winning the midfield battle, if they do that, I think they have a good chance to win the game. And, and that's why I hope that the U.S. goes with that formation you're talking about earlier, where you still are able to keep Jones, Bradley and Beckerman in the midfield. I mean, it's worked out well for the U.S. over the last couple of games and all three of them seem to work together. And if Jermaine Jones can have another performance like he did, Michael Bradley steps up, I think the U.S. will be very fine. Prediction time, though, Ivis. I'll let you go first. I don't want to steal your thunder. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Well, what we didn't talk about was Portugal's health status. They are decimated by injuries right now. And we're not uh, we're not just talking about Fabio Contral, who's out. Forward, Hugo Almeida's out. Pepe is suspended. Now, uh, center back Bruno Alves is is dealing with a thigh injury, and he may not play. Goalkeeper Rui Patricio has an injury. I think he'll play, but still, Portugal is really beat up, and their defense could be missing three or four starters. And I think the U.S. has to take advantage of that. The U.S. Ooh, the U.S. has to has to take advantage of that. Uh, and I like their chances. I like their chances in this game because of that. Look, if 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 Portugal was one hundred percent. If they had, if they had Pepe, if they had Cointreau, if they had Almeida, if Ronaldo, if you knew Ronaldo was a hundred percent, you know that is a Portugal team that we all spent f- five months looking at and saying, "Wow, they're going to be tough to handle." But this, that they're not that team right now. Right now, they're a battered team. They're really hit by injuries and they're vulnerable. And as much as I know, they, I, I fully expect them to come out hard because they know they need the win. They know it. They're going to come out hard those first twenty twenty five minutes. U.S. has to weather that, and the U.S. cannot sit back. For those who remember the start of the Ghana game, the U.S. went at Ghana at the beginning of the game. There, were, there was no sitting back. They went at him, and even after they scored the Dempsey goal, they kept going at him, and Ghana was vulnerable. They could have, U.S. could have gotten a second goal in those first five minutes. They have to do that again. They, have to, they can't sit back. They have to go at, at, the, uh, at the Portugal defense because i tell you what, U.S. scores that first goal. Portugal, they absolutely could fold because the pressure will be unbelievable. The pressure's already on Portugal right now because they lost that first game 4-0. If they give up the first goal, then it is really, you know, tight throat time for them. So that that Klinsman has to know that. I'm sure Klinsman is sending that message to his team. They they if we get this first goal, we have them. We got them. So I, I think the US is gonna come out strong. I think they're gonna score early. And I think they're going to do a Mexico-like dosa zero. Actually, I'll go two-one. Let's go with the two-one again. Ronaldo with a free kick at some point for a consolation goal. But I'm going to say two-one U.S. Wondolowski gets on the scoreboard, and Michael Bradley scores in Game Two of a World Cup for the second straight World Cup, as he did against Slovenia. 
Michael Bradley gonna Michael Bradley will be your man of the match. Uh, here's what I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go since this is Bizarro World Cup land with teams doing uh, crazy things that we've never seen before. I'm gonna go with a three-one victory for the U.S. Men's National Team. Nice. Utter beatdown. Send a send a so, mes- send a message to the rest of the world. Hey, it's possible. It's possible. So and I'm gonna go we'll with Ga- and I'm gonna Ghana defeats Germany. That's not happening. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not happening. Ghana is dangerous. They're a good team. But Germany is just so organized that I just don't see. I see Ghana beating Portugal. That I see. I just don't see Ghana beating Germany. Can't see it. Uh, hey, hey, it's my prediction. I just can't, can't, can't follow me for my prediction. Just watch, watch it happen. The game's a couple hours. Uh, we'll I'll see. Five, I'll say 5-2 Germany. 5-2? to two? That's reckless. Don't be stupid. All right. <laughs> uh, speaking as I just mentioned though as I alluded to uh, this World Cup I was shaping up in a very interesting way we're seeing a lot of teams step up one of those teams well one of the regions is CONCACAF that is just absolutely blowing the lid off of uh, off of off of the performances right now in Brazil I mean in Costa Rica I mean if you had Costa Rica going in and defeating Italy and then defeating uh, Uruguay I mean how many people had that prediction, Ivis? I mean, Costa Rica going to the next round, that is awesome. Oh, it's unbelievable. And it's great. Credit to them. Look, we've said it all along. Costa Rica's a good team. And it's funny how when, when the U.S. went to Costa Rica and got their doors blown off 4-1, to one, there was that sense like, oh, yeah, the U.S. is not ready for the next level. They're not ready for the international stage. Like, no one wanted to give Costa Rica credit for being a very good team. Right, they, they 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 have one of the best goalkeepers in Europe this year, Kaylor Navas, uh, who was arguably the best goalkeeper in in, in La Liga this year. Um, you have Joel Campbell, who is absolutely a dangerous forward, speedy forward. Brian Ruiz, super skilled. Celso Borges. They have a coach who uh, and Pinto, the Colombian, who is a great tactician. He's he's had some re- the the, re- the reason one of the reasons the U.S. has had a lot of tough times with Costa Rica is because of the manager. The manager's a really good tactician. So it's all come together for them, and it's great to see because, you know what, they, they, it's a great country. Uh, the people there, uh, it's a happy-go-lucky group down there, and they, and they love their soccer. And what's funny is I was down there uh, just shortly after the draw. I was down in Costa Rica, and talking to the people down there, the sense that I got from most of the people I talked to was, uh, you know, we know we're we we're going to get beat, but we just want the team to do well. We just want the team to... Uh, be respectable. We don't want to be embarrassed. We just it, it was funny because like there was I, I didn't get any oh we're gonna shock the world, we're gonna win the group, we're gonna do this. There was none of that. I and I talked to a lot of people down there and there was none of that. So I know the people down there are as shocked as anybody. And it, and but obviously they're they're they they have to be ecstatic. Uh, but it's great for CONCACAF, right? And it's not just Costa Rica, Mexico obviously off to a great start with a win and then tying Brazil. I mean, it's huge for the region, and it's huge for just the respect factor because, you know what, obviously CONCACAF is seen as the weak sister. Uh, people don't, people never want to acknowledge or accept the fact that the reason that uh, the U.S. doesn't just steamroll the group in qualifying every four years is because this is a tough, it's, a, it's, a, it's an improving group. It's an improving region, and now you see it. So it's great, and, 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 and it's what, what's really good to see, and what I, I, I kind of like seeing is like, I feel like U.S. fans are buying into that whole, you know, we're a region, let, let's support the teams in the region thing. I know there's still the whole rivalry, USA-Mexico rivalry. and uh, But it, I think maybe more and more people are understanding that if Mexico does well, 
it, it improves the overall respect level for CONCACAF. So I think that's not a, that's not a bad thing for the U.S. As much as some Mexican fans can, they'll get annoying and they'll be like, "Ah, oh, look, we're great, blah blah blah." You know what? It's fine. Let them let them do that. But overall, it's good for the respect level of the region. Well, as CONCACAF enjoys a fabulous World Cup, certain teams are not jo- enjoying a certain uh, fabulous World Cup. One of those is England, Ivis, who's looked um, less than chippy. Looks like they're missing a bark, especially in their midfield. But uh, England, man, and Spain, both flaming out of the World Cup. Who would have predicted that? Oh, I know. I mean, I'll tell you what. With the Spain one, it's a little, uh, you know, uh, for me... It's surprising, but it's almost like he kind of had to – it was going to happen. It was going to happen eventually. Spain had been at such a high level. I mean, they've won the last three major international tournaments that they've played in. An unprecedented run. The 08 Euros, 2010 World Cup, 2012 Euros. I'm not sure we'll ever see that again. And they they played at such a high level for so long. Um, But you know what? Father time always catches up. And nothing lasts forever when it comes to dynasties. And theirs came to a quick end. And – um, you know, it happens and credit to the Dutch for, for really put, put, putting the nail in there. It was always a tough group, right? It was always a tough group. And I think that's something else pe- people need to realize is that, look, Netherlands have come to play in this tournament. Chile is a team that I think now finally people, more and more people are realizing this team is the real deal. So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, and it's funny cause I remember having this really, really funny, uh, kind of debate with somebody months ago. And it was like Chile or Ghana. And I remember saying, look, it's not even a question. Chile is better than Ghana. Chile is on another level. Chile, people don't realize how good Chile is. Now people have seen it. So it, it's not as if Spain went out and lost to the, you know, the weak sisters of the world. They lost to two really good teams. Um, and England in a similar situation, right? Now, obviously, it's another disappointing World Cup for them. But they were in a brutal group. Uh, they played well against Italy. You know what? I mean? like the, the, level, the performance they turned in against Italy – Beats most teams, right? But Italy obviously had a good game that they had a good game that day. They're a good team, quality team. Can't take that away from them. And then the Uruguay game, obviously, it, that was a pretty even game. That could have been anybody's game. When England scored the equalizer, I was at that game. When England scored the equalizer, they looked like they were going to win that game. They looked like they were going to take it over and take win that game. And then obviously, Luis Suarez put on the cape, and 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 then obviously England had that just kind of blunder on the winner. Uh, so. I think, if anything, maybe that's why there's not so much, um, what's the word, panic from England fans. England fans are dejected right now, but I think they have to kind of understand that, look, this was always going to be a tough group. And the the schedule did them no favors because they got Italy right off the bat, and then they got Uruguay. Um, and me personally, I think they're going to lose to Costa Rica because Costa Rica is rolling right now. And, and and England just is they have they, they have one foot in South Beach right now. All their players must be thinking vacation time. Um, but yeah, you know what? It's it's it, hap- it happens. World Cups. You, you see, there's always a couple of powerhouses that fall short. Mm-hmm. And this time around, this time around, Spain and, and England, England, they just they just don't look good enough. Ivis, they look. They just look bad. Speaking of powerhouses, though, I mean, look, France totally 180 compared to 2010 South Africa World Cup. I mean, France is just killing it right now. Yeah, they're, I mean, look, they're a good team. Um, you know, Swiss, Switzerland's not exactly a terrible team, and they just destroyed them. I want to see France in the knockout rounds. I want to see what they do. I, I still don't know if I like their chances against the, uh, you know, once you get to the quarters and beyond. I don't, I don't see France get, getting past the quarters. 
But yeah, they they clearly are an improved team from 2010. Um, their their attack is looking very dynamic right now. Benzema's on a roll, um, but we'll see. I'm still not convinced of them being uh, getting anywhere past the quarters. Really? Even though they're not playing, yeah. even though they're playing at this high level right now, I mean, France looks pretty good right now. They do, but you know what? I just said, uh, don't see it. Pissing off all the French listeners of the show, Ivis. Good job. <laughs> there you go. And in the last bit of news before we close up today's episode, reports are coming out that Kaká is close to signing with Orlando City. This is coming as no surprise because Orlando has made it very publicly known that they're going to sign Kaká. They're going to bring someone in. So, uh, I mean, Ivis, if Orlando can sign Kaká and fulfill the promise, I mean, I think that's big time that they're that they said what they were going to do and they're going to close that. Right. I mean, they, they've been talking about Kaká for months. I mean, I had a high-level source at Orlando City tell me back in January that Kaká's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. <clears throat> and there were points, obviously, when it looked like maybe it wouldn't. Um, it's not a done deal yet, apparently, but it sounds very promising. I, I, did, I will say I found it a little odd for Orlando City to actually come out and address the rumor and, and actually come out and, and say that they're in advanced discussions. You don't see teams do that. Teams shut up and let and, and negotiate and make their deals, uh, and then they announce them uh, because the only thing the only thing you're doing when you when you announce something before or you do what Orlando City did is you're setting yourself up for a fall there, right? Because it's not a done deal yet. If it falls through, you look pretty bad. So um, you know, having said that, kudos uh, yeah, kudos to Taylor Solomon. He was the, he's the first one to put put it out there uh, the other day, and it kind of forced Orlando to address it. Um, sounds like it's going to happen, and, and it's great for MLS. Look, I always thought Kaká would come here. It always seemed like a like a good fit. Uh, he, he's a great, a great player, a great personality, role model, the whole nine. I don't know how good his English is right now at this point. I mean, I know you know going years back when uh, I, I can remember going back to 2007 when Brazil played the U.S. here. Uh, you know, asking Kaká. I, th- I think even then, is he had some English to him. So if his English is is that much better, I mean, you're talking a you know perfect. A marketing a piece to the marketing puzzle for MLS because I mean you know he, he's he's such a famous player he's such a you know he's got the movie star looks and the technical ability so he's got he's got it all he's got the package so you got to love that it, hopefully it happens because you want to see Orlando City come in strong you want to see them come in and, and hit the ground running and not be this expansion team that struggles and and doesn't and doesn't really draw people. And the other thing, too, is Kaká's still playing at a high level. It's not like he's, you know, everyone's going to always say, oh, here comes another guy from Europe that's just earning a paycheck. Do most of these guys come over and perform well in Major League Soccer? And Kaká's a guy who's been playing at a pretty high level in Europe for the last couple of years. Uh, Ivis, that wraps up today's show, man. I know you have a lot of sightseeing to do and drinking <laughs> and hanging out, so I'm going to let you go so you can enjoy your vacation. <laughs> exactly. <coughs> exactly. Yeah. It's. Uh, I tell you what, I sometimes I... I, I wish you were here, man. I really do. It's funny. We have a lot of listeners here in Brazil. I've met quite a few of them, and uh, they're always asking about you. So I kind of feel bad that you're not here. And I wish you were here so you could kind of come along for the ride and see how uh, see the other side. Look, it's great. No one's complaining about being in Brazil, but uh, it, it's it's not all cookies and ice cream. It's it's a grind, <laughs> but it's a great it's a great it's a great grind. It's a grind all of us live for as journalists that cover this game. I mean. This is this is it. This is the pinnacle. You want to be here. You want to be cranking out the content, uh, reporting on everything, and 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 delivering all the news and 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 info from here for those for for those who are are not lucky enough to be here. 
So it's a great time. And uh, you know what? Maybe, you, you know, once SBI, the SBI show blows up and, and we go national and we, you know, we get syndicated and everything, you and yeah. I will be chilling. Well, you and I will be chilling in Russia in four years. Dude, I hope so. <laughs> when the SBI show blows up. You didn't even invite me to Brazil. That's your fault. Well, invite is one thing. Were you going to pay your way? <laughs> I'm already. <laughs> the SBI travel budget isn't, isn't bottomless, unfortunately. I thought it was. No, nah, not yet. Not yet. Things are going well, but uh, not that well. Hmm, interesting. That's not what I heard. Hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> hmm. Nice. <laughs> All right, Ivis. Well, I'll let you go, man, and uh, and enjoy uh, enjoy Manaus and enjoy the U.S. game tomorrow. Thanks, man. And also, someone freaking buy him a Cosmopolitan. God, what is wrong with everyone? Everyone's so pathetic. Buy him something. Buy him a girly drink and take a picture of it. I want to see it. <laughs> and yet, I have yet to meet anyone. Uh, for, uh, for those of you who listened to the last episode, I have yet to meet anyone to win our contest. I'm not going to say any more than that. If you you have to listen to the last episode to know what the contest is and what it require what it takes to win it. But as we stand at almost 2 p.m. on Saturday, we have not had a winner. So we'll see what happens. It's I'm dis- sure by the end of the night we'll have one though. It's it's disappointing, man. I'm I'm just I'm surprised by everyone. Everyone well, must be intimidated be, well, uh, of you, man. No, no. To be fair, I just got we got here late last night, and I haven't left the hotel. Um, I did. I did run into an, a, a listener uh, and a reader down in our at, at the breakfast uh, in the morning, but uh, I'm sure once we get to the stadium or or once we get to the to the AO uh, night before party, I'm sure someone will step up. Good, good. I hope someone does. All right, Ivis, I'll let you go, man. You have a lot of work to do. Enjoy the game, and I'll, I'll catch you later as we recap the U.S. game against uh, Portugal. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the to the show. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews. Ivis and I will be back again next week. This is the SBI Show.